the beat that I'm banging is delicious. Burgalicious definition, make them boys go loco. They want my treasures, so they get their pleasures from my boat. So you can see me, you can't squeeze me. I ain't easy, I ain't sleazy. I got reasons. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Friday edition of the show, a special Friday edition. We don't typically do shows on Friday. But yesterday, we drove through the night from Mobile, Alabama, back to Tampa, Florida. So we are now in the comfort of our own home studios to recap what was a very eventful Senior Bowl with a lot of potential prospects that could be future Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Adam Slavon of PewterReport.com. Adam did a fantastic job this weekend or this week, I should say. We're getting to the weekend right now. But Adam did a fantastic job this week uh, talking to prospects. He's got a lot of great stories on pewterreport.com right now with players that have connections to the Bucks, whether it's a family history, whether it's players that uh, have watched current Buccaneers players. So a lot of great insight at pewterreport.com right now. Adam, how are you doing? Because I know I'm pretty tired, but uh, we're going to power through it. Yeah, we are. Uh, appreciate the kind words about the stories. I'm a little tired, just trying to catch up on some sleep because it was a long drive back. Yeah, it was about seven or eight hours. Uh, we went straight from the second practice. So every every practice during the week, it was the national team would go first and the American team would go. And, uh, you know, we'd have player interviews after on the field and then we do the podcast. But on yesterday... We left like right as practice was ending for the American team, and we drove all the way back to Tampa. So a long haul, but a good haul and and a good trip. And that's why we're going to break down everything right now. But first, just want to remind everybody that Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. They have a couple of new flavors out right now. The Fantasy Vibe, which has uh, some marshmallow in it. It's like eating or drinking a uh, creamsicle, which is awesome. And We know Bucks fans love creamsicle. And, of course, the Sparkling Lemon Lime. I was actually drinking that yesterday to get through the drive. So check out some of the new flavors that they have, seven essential vitamins to help you get through your day. Celsius Energy Drinks. Get it at your nearest bodega. Actually rocking one right now as well. And, Adam, before we get into the Senior Bowl prospects, and we will talk about each player at at certain positions, Uh, there's some that – are going to be talked about a little bit more than others talking about quarterback, which we'll get to. But speaking of that quarterback position, um, I'd be remiss. You know, you were on the show this week. So it was Bailey Adams, Josh Capo, Scott Reynolds as well. Um, But when you guys were on, it was a little bit more senior bowl centric because we had so many awesome pewter reporters there that we kind of had to shuffle through the whole deck. Um, So with that said, you gave us, some great senior bowl analysis. Now I want your analysis on the Bucks quarterback situation. Just give me your overall thoughts on, on Tom Brady retiring and what's next, what route the Bucks should go when it comes to looking at their next starting quarterback. Yeah. So a lot has already been said about Tom Brady after he announced his retirement earlier this week, kind of threw a curveball at us covering the senior bowl and then having to, in the morning, try to, put things together about Tom Brady, but for the Tampa community, for all of us, we, we were grateful to have a guy like Tom Brady in Tampa coming over from new England, arguably the best player in NFL history. 
And what he did is he really put the team back on the map, a team that hasn't experienced a lot of success since the 2002 Super Bowl season. See the picture here of him holding Lombardi. He threw the Lombardi uh, boat to boat famously in the he boat did. parade. <laughs> and what he did is he really brought a lot of renewed excitement to uh, Tampa fans everywhere. And his impact will really shape the team for years to come. That 2020 team, much like the 2002 team, will be forever immortalized. And yeah, Tom Brady and announcing his retirement. It's going to be a new chapter for the Bucks, but it also comes with it a lot of different options at the quarterback position. Yeah, very well said, Adam. I think it's important to to point out, and you know, we, we did a recap, the emergency podcast about Brady retiring, and we talked about it on recent shows. But I think what it is important to discuss and kind of bring home, because I do feel like in general. It's no one's fault, and people just want to keep constantly moving, and I get that, and I respect that. But I think it's important to take a little bit of time because everyone wants to know, who's the next quarterback? Is it Kyle Trask? Is it Kyle Trask? And I get that. People want to get into it. But we have to take a moment. you got to appreciate the good times when you're in it, you know? And I think sometimes we let it go by the wayside. The things that Tom Brady did for this community. I mean, he came in, it drove... Business to pewterreport.com and not even just media outlets, just, you know, people flew into Tampa to go watch Tom Brady. He plucked the Bucks from obscurity, a team that never played on national TV or maybe once a season and they get a Thursday night game if they were lucky to playing five or six nationally televised games per season. The Bucks were talked about not just weekly, but daily. Tom Brady put Tampa on the map. He put he brought the Brady magic because, I mean, and I hate Massachusetts and Boston fans, but, you know, when Brady was there, not only were the Patriots winning, but the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, the Celtics were winning, the Red Sox won a couple of World Series. Brady comes to Tampa, the Lightning go back-to-back -back with the Stanley Cup, the Bucks win. Um, the Rays made the World Series. The Rays made it to the World Series, yeah, so... There's something to that Brady magic, which I think is really important. And he brought a lot of attention and eyes to the city of Tampa. And not that there people know about Tampa, obviously, but it just got expedited so much further. And a lot of that really had to do with Tom Brady bringing in Rob Gronkowski and other superstars as well. So I think it was important to just give a shout out to Brady, what he meant to the city, what he did for this city. And, uh, you know, helping the Bucks be a contender over the last three years. Remember, they didn't make the playoffs for a decade and then were able to, uh, you know, do what they did over the last three years. So I think it was important to uh, show appreciation for Tom Brady and and really what he meant to Tampa Bay. Uh, also, I see a lot of people in the chats here. I uh, just want to give a shout out to everybody watching the show right now. I know it's a Friday episode. Uh, as Josh Capo, fellow pewter reporter, is uh, in the chat right now saying that they aren't trading. I believe he's saying Devin White because it'd be crazy to trade Rashad White at the moment after you just drafted him uh, a season ago. But, yeah, just want to say thanks to everybody in uh, the chat right now. Daniel King talking about someone that we'll be talking about in Ooh. a little bit with Spears from uh, from Tulane. He was obviously a very exciting player. So, Adam, let's talk about the senior bowl. Now we got the, uh, actually 
let's talk about uh, veteran QB options. We know you're an Aaron Rodgers guy. I think it's the best move. I have a rant that I want to go on about Aaron mm. Rodgers, but okay. I think I'm going to save it for Monday's roll call when mm. we do the rant, uh, when you know someone starts talking. Because I have something I want to say. I might tweet it out later in a thread. I might even write a story about it because I'm feeling a type of way about how people are reacting to our story on pewterreport.com about Aaron Rodgers being a possibility for the Buccaneers or should the Bucs pursue that option. And I don't quite understand what everyone's problem is with it, but I'll say that for another time. Just real quick, just to get your thoughts about the – the situation with Kyle Trask and the veteran options. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is the prized possession in this situation, but should they go with like a Derek Carr route if Rodgers isn't available? Should they do a quarterback that'll bridge the gap like Baker Mayfield? Uh, just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, so there's three quarterbacks that I wanted to talk about today. And then just kind of speaking on the Rodgers thing, I was joking with uh, Josh about all the comments on the Rogers story and not a lot of them being really good comments about Aaron Rodgers. and growing up in Wisconsin, I watched him for a decade uh, growing up. And in terms of his ability, one of the best quarterbacks all time that I I personally think, and among all the quarterbacks available, you talked about Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers. He's still a top five quarterback in the league. He is a four-time MVP, one MVPs in 2020 and 2021. Now, this past season, 2022, kind of a down year for him as he had to rely a lot on rookie wide receivers such as Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Had a big uh, combine, kind of boosted his draft stock. Senior now, Bowl. It all started at the Senior Bowl, too. I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, just shows yeah. how important the Senior Bowl is. Very much so. And there's a lot of rumors swir- swirling around about where Rodgers could go. I know your New York Jets, that's the rumored top spot. Sauce Gardner's talking on Twitter about it. <laughs> yeah, I saw you tweeting that. Yeah, but for the Bucks, if they were to go after Aaron Rodgers, it'd be another all-in move, kind of reminiscent of what they did for Brady in 2020. And capitalizing on a one- to two-year window for Aaron Rodgers, he's 39. He might not play too much longer. And while it's unlikely, it would still be the best way for the team to really move the needle going forward, if they were to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, maybe bringing in a couple veterans that he likes, much like they did uh, for Brady, bringing in Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. And mm-hmm. just kind of speaking on that, entering the Rodgers sweepstakes, it's still a possibility for the Buccaneers. It, it is possible, and Josh Capo was kind enough this week to not only write a story about it, but come on the podcast twice and uh, kind of give an explanation for how it could work. Would it work? Is it possibly feasible uh, for that to occur? So I recommend everybody to um, either check out our podcast this week. We also have a senior bowl highlight video, which we'll be playing in a little bit. But uh, if you want to get a jump start on that, uh, check out pewter report TV, Uh, a lot of great stuff on our YouTube channel right now and more to come. We're going to have a couple more highlight videos coming out either later tonight or tomorrow, a couple of individual highlight videos as well. Very excited to get that going. Want to give a shout out to Kyle as well, saying hit that like button. That's right. Please subscribe. Hit that like button to Pewter Report TV. It's absolutely free. It just lets you know when we go live. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate that. We got over 10K recently, and it wouldn't happen without you 
the pewter people. Okay, Adam, let's get into the senior there, bowl. Yeah, go ahead. There's two other quarterbacks I wanted to talk about. Briefly. Oh, sure. Please. Uh, Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield. So just kind of speaking on Derek Carr, he's kind of having a little Pro Bowl combine right now out in Las <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, very true. But if the Bucks were to go after him, whether in a trade for like a mid to late round pick, because the Raiders don't really have a lot of leverage trading him, or if he ends up getting cut, he kind of reminds me a lot of the situation with Matthew Stafford and being with the Lions for over a decade. Didn't really have the best team supporting him, having weapons around him. And that's kind of very similar to Derek Carr and that he hasn't really had good defenses throughout his career, able to back up his play. I still think Derek Carr, he's a top 15 quarterback. He's a viable starter. And he would kind of be, I think he's 31 right now, an option for the Bucs for maybe one to three years as they look for a long-term answer there. And then also mentioning Baker Mayfield, if the Bucs were to hire Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator, he has some familiarity with Baker Mayfield in 2019. Yeah, 2019 as uh, yeah. his offensive coordinator. And he's better than a lot of the detractors say. He's had a rough go of it in his career playing for the Browns when they were Browning, you know, yep. going through all their quarterbacks. As they've done and, for their whole career. Yeah. And then going to Carolina where they've been rotating guys in and out. And then also going to Los Angeles and playing for the Rams. He looked adequate there. And in his first game, after only learning the playbook for like two days, he comes back and he guides him to a comeback win. And of all the bridge quarterbacks, I believe Josh and Bailey have wrote about it. He would be their best option. And he's still only 28 years old. So just another guy to keep on the radar for uh, Bucks fans. What Baker Mayfield did going to the Rams and orchestrating that comeback like that was absolutely crazy. And yeah. I do find it interesting with Baker because you look at some things and you're like, his mechanics are terrible. Like if he only did this and that, and then you see him fling the ball around the field and, and have those big drives. Like we just talked about, it's like, there's still a little bit something there. And Baker is the guy that, you know, he kind of says F you when he's out there. And I personally like that. In a quarterback, yeah. I think Brady has that to a degree as well. Uh, to mention Carr, and then we got a super chat from Teddy that we're going to get to in just a moment. I wonder with Carr, there was that year with the Raiders where they kind of put everything together. They were going to make the wild card, but they were getting they were finding their footing at the end of the year. And then Carr broke his leg in the, the last game of the season. And yeah. so they made the playoffs, but you know, they had their backup quarterback in. I believe they were playing the Texans. And, you know, they, they lost that playoff game. But I always wonder how far of a run Carr could have made in that, uh, you know, in that context of when the Raiders were really feeling it at the end of the year. He's never really had a great defense. And, I mean, man, the Bucks defense, and I understand there's a lot of questions, especially at linebacker with Levante David, and we've talked about that a lot. We'll continue to talk about it on, on future episodes. And, you know, outside linebacker, what happens with corner but that defense, I trust Todd Bowles to figure it out, regardless of who is playing on defense for the Bucs. They kept Tampa Bay in many games last year, and then Brady yeah. was able to get the, the big drive at the end to, to put the Bucs over the top. They don't need Derek Carr to come in and break the Bucs' single-season touchdown passing record like Tom Brady did in 2020 and 2021. They just need a guy that can do better than – what was it, 18 points per game last season? And let's remember, yeah. Bucks have a new offensive coordinator coming in. So I think a fresh start is good for a lot of guys in the league, especially at quarterbacks. I think it'd be cool to see what 
Derek Carr could bring. And financially, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, let's get to Teddy Super Chat. Thank you, Teddy, for always being a real one uh, in these comments and with the Super Chat. So, Teddy with the $5 Super Chat. Just for fun, which slash how many draft picks would y'all be willing to give up to trade for Rodgers, Carr, or Lamar Jackson? This is a great question because I think there's different degrees and there's different loopholes to all of it, really. Because Rodgers is the hottest commodity out of the three. Well, Lamar would be the hottest commodity out of the three. Rodgers, for instant winning success, I think would be number one, but you only know you're getting him for a season or two. Carr, again, financially would work a little bit better because Lamar's going to look for that mega contract. I think with Lamar, Lamar and Rodgers, it's without question, at least at, at the starting minimum, it's a first round pick. It's just a matter of how many picks. I think Lamar would probably garner at least two first round picks and then like maybe a third, two thirds or a third and a fourth or something like that. Rodgers, I think you can get away with like a first and then maybe a second the following season. Carr, I think, and we talked about this during the trip, I would say maybe a third or a fourth rounder for for Carr. Because remember, the Raiders are trying to get his contract off of off of their books. So I think they'd be more willing to be like, all right, just give us a fourth round pick and you guys absorb most of the money. Uh, but for the for Rodgers and Lamar, it's definitely at least a first and a second and probably two firsts for Lamar. Yeah, and there's kind of comparisons for each of the quarterbacks, Rodgers, Carr, and Lamar Jackson. So for Lamar Jackson, you have Deshaun Watson. What happened with him? The Browns gave up three first-round picks, and then they gave him a fully guaranteed deal. If Lamar were to be moved, it'd probably be something very similar to that. For Aaron Rodgers, you look at what happened last offseason with Russell Wilson, giving up uh, two first-round picks and like a player or two. That might be a start there. And then you have Derek Carr, and what happened with Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan giving up like a third round pick well, with Carson Wentz, none of his money was guaranteed. And I believe the commanders gave up a third round pick for him. So for each of them, they would bring a degree of draft capital and what mm-hmm. the Bucks would be willing to give up to maybe extend their title window for another season or two. But what's out there right now, Lamar would be the best option if they want a long-term franchise quarterback. Is he still in his mid twenties? Rodgers for another season or two. And then you have a guy like Derek Carr who could hold down the fort in Tampa for another couple seasons. Uh, Ren, shout out Ren watching the show. Jackson, uh, two firsts for what? What has he done? I don't know. He's a former MVP. <laughs> He's had a lot of success in, in this league. Now, health is definitely a concern because that's what hurt him at the end of this year. But, you know, he's an electric guy when he is in there. Yeah. I do think the other side, as you mentioned, someone like Carson Wentz, Teams have been burned by overpaying for either moving up in the draft or trying to get their next guy like Carson Wentz. So that's yeah. why I think it's like some some people might be like, two first rounds, that's that's not even enough for Lamar Jackson. But then you have to say, all right, well, the injury concern is there and you don't want to fall into some of the other situations that other teams have gotten into. I mean, the Saints gave away... The Eagles had the Saints first round pick this year, if I'm not mistaken, because they traded away defensive back or something like that. I don't know. Unless Darrell Revis is playing or, you know, Sauce Gardner right now, I don't know how many first round picks a defensive back is going to get or, you know, maybe a couple safeties in there. 
Um, yeah. Quite interesting, though. We do have another super chat to get to. We will talk about the senior bowl, but if you're going to super chat us, we're going to talk about whatever your super chat entails. Uh, so, Laurent Valles Jr., thank you for the $5 super chat. Laurent says, if Brady signed a one-day contract to retire with the Patriots, would that mean we would have to pay his full cap hit this year? That is so funny that you asked that because Josh Capo, our cap guru, we were having lunch the other day at Saucy Q's. Shout out Saucy Q's. If you're ever Big in Mobile, Alabama, they yeah. are – the food is fantastic. The customer service is even better. Like, they truly are amazing people. So uh, go to Saucy Q's in Mobile, Alabama if you're ever in the area. And anyway, so we're like, we're having lunch. We're getting ready to go to the practice. And we were joking about uh, – we were saying, ah, I like that Brady didn't do the the, the one-day contract thing. And, and Josh said he can't do – well, he can do that, but the Bucks would hope that he can't do that because that is signing another contract, and therefore the Bucks would be on the hook for the money that they owe him uh, for the contract that, you know, that they had to restructure last season. So, yes, signing a one-day contract would absolutely – really hurt the Bucs. And I don't think everyone knows that because you usually hear like, oh, so-and-so signed a one-day contract. They're retiring with their their former team. Like that's a, you know, it's a nice little send-off. Um, but yeah, that would actually really hurt the Bucs. And that's what Josh has been talking about. We've mentioned it too. It's that Brady has such a good relationship with Jason Light and the Glazer family. And they've been so accommodating to Tom that we think Tom would be accommodating enough to them to help them out with their current salary cap situation that the Bucs could get a little more flexibility there. But if he signs with the Patriots, it's no dice. Yeah, you answered that very well. And usually Thank with you. players that retire, like you see one-day contracts going out, those are guys on the veteran minimum. And with Brady, he was on like a one-year $30 million deal, and that would really put the Bucs in a tight cap bind. So I agree. He probably will delay it. He might eventually sign one-day contract, but not in the near yeah. future. Uh, Teddy, love the comment. This podcast is powered by Saucy Cues. And then D. Kakareka says, uh, with a side of Celsius. Uh, yeah, you know we love Celsius. We love Saucy Cues as well. You can get Saucy Cues in Mobile, Alabama, which we were at for the Senior Bowl. The last three days or four days, I don't know. I'm losing track of time. Today's Friday. The rest of the week, we had been in Mobile, Alabama. And there was a lot of talent there, Adam. It was so much fun to – it was so much fun to watch. There's a lot of highlight plays. We had the highlight video uh, on our YouTube right now. There will be more of that coming out. And I think this year was a lot of fun. This is my third or fourth year going. This is your first year. Uh, along with Bailey and Josh, this was their first year as well. Scott's been going since, you know, the Senior Bowl was created, essentially. Um, but this year, because there's so many holes with the Bucks in terms of free agency and, and guys not returning, that in years past, you can kind of focus on a couple of more positions than others, just knowing, all right, this is who the Bucks are going to be targeting in the first place. Not this year, especially on the second day there, Tom Brady retires, and that kind of opens up the floodgates at the quarterback position. So let's kind of go position by position. We don't have to spend a crazy amount of time uh, on, on each group, especially this starting group with quarterback. Hands down, quarterback was the worst position yeah. <laughs> uh, out of all of the groups at the senior bowl. I mean, obviously, Max Duggan was the 
the star going into it, given that he was a Heisman finalist and made it to the national championship. Duggan had some good throws over the middle. Um, but outside of that, and the quarterback from Shepard, he's escaping my my name at the moment. Tyson Badgett? Yeah, Tyson Badgett made some throws here and there. There was a lot more to be desired from the quarterback group. You had uh, your your Drew Brees guy. Not that you're a Drew Brees guy, but um, who is it? Number nine, uh, Jake Hayner. He excelled in the play action. But, I mean, there was a lot of missed throws, and I think it really hurt the performances of the wide receivers as well because of what the quarterbacks were doing. Yeah, he said it very well. He mentioned two guys I was going to say. Badgett, one thing about him that kind of separated him was his velocity on his throws. Max Duggan, kind of a lot of lob passes deep. He didn't really show off a lot of throw power, but Tyson yes. Badgett did. And then with Jake Hayner, he was probably the best quarterback, I would say, just being the most consistent, not really saying too much, but being able to move out of the pocket and do some play action throws. He looked pretty solid, but nothing but like day three picks at best. Yeah, exactly. And Hayner's got that Doug Flutie look because he's yeah. listed as six foot. And again, most measurables, well, they do the accurate measurables at the senior bowl, but other measurables, they tend to favor the the athlete of like, oh, okay, we'll give him a little bit more of an inch and a little bit more weight or less weight, depending on what they want. It was like watching Doug Flutie out there. Small guy, barely over his offensive line. Oh, not even over his offensive lineman. Um, but I think did better on day three, which for him is good moving forward. Let's get to the running back position. For me, there were two guys that really, I think, took the cake in terms of the standout players at running back. Adam, let everybody know who they were. Or at least Tajay Spears out of Tulane. That is the best running back that was there in Mobile, Alabama this week. There's a lot of clips of him on the Peter Report Twitter. He's been getting a lot of buzz. What he showed was a lot of burst, great vision, and then also being hard to touch. And then there was a, a really good play, I think it was posted by Pro Football Focus, of him on a route. And he just bent down and cut the other way and left his matchup in the dust. So for him, it was a big week that really boosted his draft stock. And then the other running back that I'll mention, I don't know if you agree if this is the other one, Kenny McIntosh yep, out of Georgia. Who, that's who I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so national champion, two-time national champion. Uh, there's a story about him on pewterreport.com, kind of talking about Todd Munkin and playing under him. And what he showed was the ability to be a dual threat back. Not as, not as much as Spears, but he had 43 receptions in his senior season at Georgia. And... He looked pretty solid overall, just kind of through all the drills and everything. Yeah, let's remember with McIntosh, he got hurt on that first day of practice. And he was grabbing his knee. We thought it was really serious. And thankfully, it was just, uh, you know, cramps in his leg. So uh, he was able to bounce back the next day. He had a fumble early on. But outside of that, you saw the physical power that he can bring yeah. to match it with the speed. I almost liked him in the goal line situations more than I did uh, you know, if when they were at midfield or or trying to go down the field, not as great as a receiver as Spears, but obviously can move with the ball. And to your point, Spears, Tajay Spears was the guy. He was the yeah. home run hitter, broke multiple big plays down the field. And let's take it with a grain of salt, the senior bowl. There's not tackling and there's not a lot of big hits. But even besides that, he was making guys miss. 
the play that you referenced when he was running around and was able to stop, I don't know how he didn't hyperextend his knee on the play because yeah. he hit him with the okie doke and was like still able to stay upright, get open, make the catch and, and head up the field. He is now the worst kept secret in the NFL draft because he completely upped his draft stock going into this, uh, this year's NFL draft. I imagine he'll be at the combine probably looking at a third round now, maybe even sneaking into the second round. Um, there was another running back that I think we're a little bit confused by because the, the senior bowl came out with their senior bowl super, superlatives, which is essentially best player at each position as voted on by the opposing players slash defenses. So like, for example, wide receiver, the cornerbacks and the safeties vote on who was the best wide receiver and vice versa at running back. Illinois chase Brown won it for the national team and chase Brown, no disrespect. You know, I hope he has a great NFL career, but he had a really, really bad senior bowl practice. I mean, he fumbled, he was dropping passes uh, to say that he was the best running back in the senior bowl practice week, I think it's just flat out wrong. Yeah. That was very surprising seeing that coming in chase Brown was someone I was excited about just being like a big guy. He's I believe five, nine two fourteen, Right. And he looks really powerful, but he just didn't show a lot during the senior bowl week, as you mentioned, dropping passes and another running back. You talk about Tajay Spears being the worst kept secret a guy that we didn't really get to see a lot of, it might be a secret, is Rashawn Johnson out of Texas. He was hurt, I believe, a bone in his hand on the first day of practice. And someone that he might be a target in day three, very similar to Brown, being a powerful back and really athletic. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, just you look at the Texas running group and you already talk about like B. John Robinson. And yeah, uh, so he kind of falls by the wayside. But sometimes that happens where, you know, you might have a stud running back in front of you in college, and then you're still able to, you know, kind of do your thing at the NFL level. I think a good example is uh, Michael Carter, who plays for the Jets. Uh, and now, well, he ran into the bus on that is now Brees Hall. But Michael Carter, when he was at UNC, he shared reps with Javante Williams, uh, who now plays for the Denver Broncos. And Williams is great in Denver. They don't utilize him enough. But Michael Carter excelled for a while, too. And then Brees Hall came in. And so maybe that's the case for the Texas running back that you just mentioned. Uh, let's get into tight end now. I think there was really two guys that stood out. Uh, Luke Musgraves out of Oregon State. He was, I don't want to steal your thunder, but he was one of the fastest tight ends out there. And then the tight ends didn't really get too much play in terms of, the, the, we talked about how bad the performances were by the quarterbacks. When it was when it was 11 on 11, the tight ends, like, rarely got the ball i'm not even making that up they yeah. hardly got the football uh but day three they really started to show out a little bit more so the other one uh was Payne durham out of purdue i think had a great day three he had a couple of touchdowns he caught one in in double coverage it was probably a sack on the play by isaiah foskey out of notre dame but nonetheless everyone was still going hard after the play he made a great catch there he made an awesome reception down the field so those were the two tight ends that really stood out to me. Yeah, I wrote down the same two, Musgrave and Durham. So for Musgrave, as you mentioned, really fast. He was the only tight end clocked in by the Zebra statistics, kind of the 
measurable that they used at the Senior Bowl at over 20 miles an hour. And big guy, 6'6 frame, and he really showed he could be a receiving threat down the field, up the seam, running different routes. He has a really advanced route tree. And then talking with him, I believe we mentioned it before, but one guy that he looks up to is on the box in Kate Otten, uh, a guy yes. that played at Washington and Musgrave is from Oregon State. So there's a little connection up there in the Northwest. And then for Durham out of Purdue, just kind of showing he can be our end zone threat with Hayner playing well in the final day of practices that we saw. Uh, Durham made some nice end zone catches and in tight coverage too. So that really stood out for me. Yeah, you felt you did some great digging, finding out about the connection to watching Kate Otten. So kudos to you for for that one. Adam, the next group we're going to talk about is offensive linemen. And typically, linemen, they like to barrel over the competition, the player that they are blocking in front of. They want to knock them over, kind of similar to how a bowling ball would knock over a pin. And, of course, if you want to go bowling in the Tampa area, you got to go to pin chasers. They have awesome deals every single night from all-you-can-eat pizza to all-you-can-bowl to dollar beers. Um, it's a great night out with friends and family. The food is very underrated from the chicken tendies to the pizza to the nachos. Um, if you have a kid and you want to book a birthday party for them, they have an arcade area as well. So they can do some bowling. They can play some video games. Um, it's a good time for everyone. Uh, for the parents waiting there, uh, they have a full bar with uh, all types of liquor, beer, wine. So uh, you're all set there. They have multiple locations. So like I said, Go to pinchasers.net, see what deals they have in store for you, and you will not be disappointed. That's pinchasers.net. Okay, Adam, let's get to the offensive line. Um, Who impressed you out of that group? Yeah, so I wrote down a few names. So from the American team to start off with, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota and Tyler Steen out of Alabama were two that really stood out to me. So for Schmitz, he's an interior offensive lineman. And what he showed as a Midwest guy is a lot of power and being able to hold his matchups and not really letting anyone get by him. And among all college centers last year, he had the highest grade on PFF. Take the numbers as you will, but he really showed out today or uh, throughout the week and being one of the best centers. And then for Tyler Steen out of Alabama, really versatile along the offensive line, playing at left tackle, playing at left guard, kind of shifting all over and, he didn't really have any bad reps at all. So for me, those two on the American team and then on the national team, another Midwest guy, Cody Mock out of North Dakota state. Great guy with a lot of personality. I think the media was kind of all over him when they had the chance to interview him. Just a really cool guy. And he was pancaking people out there. And at six, six, three or six, four, I think he came in a little under mm-hmm. six, four and seven eighths. He showed that he can have a lot of power and also move in to play left guard. On the first day, he played at left guard. And then Dewan Jones. Yeah. Uh, you got to speak to Dewan Jones a little bit. I had did. Had a fun interaction. He doesn't and, think I'm from Long Island, but I am. But uh, he's yeah. not even from Long Island. So anyway, he was awesome, though. I don't I don't <laughs> want to. Uh, I have no I have no ill will towards Dewan Jones. Yeah. And he's a big guy, too. Uh, came in at, I believe, at 6'8", like 350 pounds. And nobody got by him like on, on the end, all the edge rushers, they just kind of fell down when they try to blow by him. So he could be an option for the Bucks if they look to move uh, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle and maybe yeah. put a guy like Dewan Jones at right tackle. Uh, appreciate this comment from ISO me 
PR Joshua Bucks. Just find the next Ali Marpet if possible. The Bucks love finding either a small school guy, which to your point, uh, Cody Mock would would fall into that. I mean, played at North Dakota State, which is essentially, as Scott Reynolds put, the Alabama of um, that division that they play in. But you know, going up against guys from Division One schools, I guess he would be the small school guy. But the other thing the Bucks really like to do is they'll take a guy that was playing tackle and then kick him inside to play guard, which I think exactly is what Cody Mock would do, even if he's not with the Bucks. But in general, uh, they would move him inside. Not that the Bucks are exactly looking for an interior offensive lineman at the moment. Steen was the absolute man. I mean, every time you watched a rep from him, he was stonewalling people. And to your point, he was moving all around. He was playing tackle. He's moving to the other side. I think I saw him kick inside at one point. And you know that he was doing well when our former colleague, our guy, John Ledyard, was tweeting about Steen, being like, no one's talking about him. And we were like, whoa, 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 John, we're talking about him. We, we were writing it up, and we love John. I uh, just want to give him a quick shout-out. So Steen was doing great. Uh, Dewan Jones, I mean, the top edge rusher going in, was Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. And Dewan Jones absolutely flattened him uh, on a rep to the point, like he's one of those guys, he played so well that he didn't even practice the last day. And you know, that's a good sign where it's like, Hey, I did my job. I boosted my stock. I'm not playing uh, the the last day of practice there. So I'm good on him. I really liked Ryan Hayes out of Michigan. Uh, he's another one that got a good rep against Foskey, who was one of the top edge rushers out there. Uh, Asim Richards from North Carolina, I thought was solid, maybe not as great as um, as some of the other guys, but, you know, really stuck with it. The Syracuse uh, offensive lineman, he is escaping my name at the moment, but he had a great day three. Do you remember it? Yeah, Bergeron. Yeah, Bergeron. Yeah, hockey. I just think of hockey right away. <laughs> Bergeron was pancaking people left and right on, on the final day, yesterday's practice. Like you heard the pads collide every single time that he had a rep. I'm trying to think if I missed anyone. Another guy. Oh. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Of note, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. Mm-hmm. If the Bucks look at a left tackle, he was probably the most solid guy there that plays exclusively at left tackle. He was, I, I believe, a four year starter at Maryland. There was an offensive tackle from Florida. His last name's uh, essentially Garage? it's like yeah, Garage. I thought he did a, a very solid job of didn't always have the cleanest of reps, but he was able to stick with it. Where you know maybe he got off the rails a little bit, but he was able to get back on, stick with the defender, and had his ups and downs. But overall, I like what I saw from him. I thought there was you know a lot more better reps than worse. And I think like, as long as he sticks with it, keeps going, keeps moving. Um, it could be a good thing for him there. Yeah. That's the question with the Bucks offensive line really is, are they going to move Tristan Wirfs? Does tackle become a priority if they let go of, of Donovan Smith? So there's a, a lot of questions at that position, which it's important to watch. It may not even be a position that they go after this draft, if they keep Donovan Smith, but if they if they do decide to go in another direction, then it almost becomes even more of a priority than quarterback. If you got to find your offensive tackle, if you know you're going to go with a veteran quarterback, even if it's Jacoby Brissett or you know Baker or someone like that, 
then that offensive tackle, I think, might even be priority number one. I'm not willing to go there just yet, but it could be. Yeah, I agree with your point there. And with all the offensive linemen that we mentioned, these are guys that probably be drafted between rounds three and five. There's a lot of holes that the Bucs need to address on both sides of the ball. There isn't too many position groups that are solidified. But if they can find another Ali Marpet or a guy down the board, it might be an option for him. Okay, let's get into the defensive line. Give me some names that you liked. Yeah, along the defensive line the, from the national team, Keanu Benton. Yes. Uh, I thought he had a really solid week, the guy from Wisconsin. There was a, a the final, was it the final day that Warren Sapp was there or the day before? The day before. The QB killer was there on Wednesday, and I want Steelers Thunder, so go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, Warren Sapp was on looking from the national team, just kind of looking at all the, the different defensive linemen and there's a video of Keanu Benton uh, going at it in one of the drills with Warren Sapp watching him overall he had a pretty solid week as a guy that might be drafted in the mid to late rounds and then AA you could talk more about him because I I can't really pronounce his name the guy from uh, Northwestern yeah uh, I want to make sure I get it right because he was fantastic and he was fantastic from the first day to the last day you know Um, but it was I'm looking at the wrong side it was played at Northwestern. Okay, I'm gonna try to nail this. All right. And he goes by uh, Tomiwa as well. Abi Tomiwa, Abe. Ah, damn it. Okay, let's try a second time. Ade Tomiwa, Ade Buare. Out of Northwestern. Thank you. He crushed it from day one to day three. I mean, we're talking about... And the thing with defensive linemen is, you know, either, okay, they excel in the run or they excel in the pass. He was dominating the pass rush, like quick moves, swim moves, uh, bull rush, whatever you want to call it. Well, I mean, those are two different moves, but just being able to excel in, in that way and then run stopping as well. I just liked him because we discovered him like early on the first day of practice and he, he kept going, you know, there are guys like, for example, a wide receiver from BYU uh, started with the P he was great day one and then just struggled the rest of the way. Didn't really see him much. Double a was doing it from the first whistle on the first practice to, you know, the last whistle of the last practice quick got off the ball really quick physical, good hand placement, good toolbox in terms of uh, pass rushing moves. He had a little bit of everything. So really like what I saw from him there. Yaya Diaby from Louisville. It was another one that excelled in both areas, you know, was able to use his physicality, stop the run. And then kind of as the week went on, you, you saw some more of his pass rushing moves, saw what he was able to do. So uh, Yaya was another one that I thought was really impressive. Yeah, and just to your point on AA, so we talked to him a little bit, and one guy that he watched a lot of uh, growing up in, in the years past was Aaron Donald. They both have a similar build at 6'1", about 280 pounds, and the way he disrupts, or he disrupted the offensive lineman at the Senior Bowl, he showed he can be something. Maybe not Aaron Donald-esque, but he could be like a solid guy. And with Benton, 
he also had a really good swim move in one of the reps there too. So both of those guys, you mentioned the receiver from BYU, Nakua, I believe. And one other defensive lineman that showed up day one, but didn't really the rest of the time was uh, Carl Brooks. He, Mm. he had a lot of motor on the first day, but after that, didn't really see too much of him, but he could still be an option as well. By the way, I think I skipped over wide receiver, which I apologize. So we'll get through that really quick. Jaden Reed out of Michigan State floated through the air. He was fantastic from day one to day three. Um, he he just he has that pro look. You know, you kind of just you know it when you see it. That was Jaden Reed. Trey Palmer out of Nebraska, I think, got better as the week went on. And then a guy that didn't really show up until day three, but exploded onto the scene in day three was uh, Grant Dubose out of uh, Charlotte. He made a great, they're working on red zone drills. He made a great catch in the corner of the end zone, took out the ref as well. It's uh, it's on our social media, on our Twitter, if you want to check it out. Um, really great route running, was able to get open, made another fantastic catch in the other corner of the end zone. So has a great ability to get up after the ball. I really like seeing from that. Uh, what wide receiver stood out to you? Yeah, uh, you mentioned the three that I had on the national oh, team. Oh, sorry, I, mean, I don't mean to be stealing your thunder. I keep oh, no, saying stealing I, your thunder. I'll be <laughs> thunderstruck for the song. Yeah, but there was a lot of guys that were impressive in the wide receiving room. So you mentioned the national team. For the American team, Dontavian Wicks, I believe out of yes. Virginia. He had a really solid week as well, being able to create a lot of separation on his routes. Uh, big, Bigger guy at six foot one. He was able to do a lot during the practices. And then Tank Dell, the guy from Houston. So Clayton Toon, the quarterback from Houston, and Dell both played with Logan Hall, uh, the Bucks' top draft pick mm-hmm. this past season. With Dell, the big concern on him is being really small. I believe he weighs just over like 160 pounds, so kind of that Devin Tompkins archetype. But he made a lot of tough catches, and he showed, I think his last season at Houston, he had 17 touchdown grabs. And he showed that he's for real, and he has some ability. Yeah, uh Sometimes the Bucs have had small guys recently, whether it's Jalen Darden, Devin Tompkins coming up. So um, I don't necessarily know if the Bucs should continue with that. I mean, Scotty Miller as well. I think it's time to get bigger and faster at the same time, you know, if if that's possible. But, you know, usually when you talk about a, a smaller guy, you look at the competition that he's going up against and you're like, "Uh, I'm not exactly sure how he's going to look. Is this, is, it, is this the right matchup for him? You know, you might be kind of thinking that this guy's an underdog. And, um, you know, if you're going to be betting, make sure you go do it over at Underdog Fantasy. And I know football season's coming to an end. That doesn't mean you have to stop using Underdog Fantasy, though. They have it for golf, the UFC, basketball, hockey, the All-Star Games up this weekend. Going to be fun to watch. And uh, baseball season when that comes back. It's the easiest way to get some action on your favorite pro sports. That's with Underdog Fantasy in their Pick'em game and their Rivals game as well. You just pick an over-under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So check out Underdog Fantasy. Double your first deposit 
using the promo code pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Adam, I think the linebacker group might have been my favorite group uh, out of all this. You had Aubrey Miller Jr. out of Jackson State, who looked just like Devin White. You had D. Winters out of TCU that studies Devin White. D. Winters was making turnovers all over the place, interceptions, forced fumbles. Uh, you had the linebacker out of Washington State that I think was really solid as well. Uh, Overshone out of Texas. There were multiple guys that really stepped it up. Uh, even Ivan Pace Jr. that I spoke to during the week at the Senior Bowl, he ended up winning the linebacker uh, of the week. So the linebackers really stood out at the Senior Bowl for me personally, especially in a draft where the linebackers, the inside linebackers, I should say, uh, it's looking like a like a poor class, really, if you talk to a lot of the, the draft experts. But I was more than impressed with what I saw from the linebackers. Yeah, you watched uh, more of them than I did. Yeah. But you mentioned a couple of guys that stood out to me, especially Winters out of TCU. He was making on the second day a lot of plays. He had an interception. And then I think like two plays later, he had a forced fumble that was recovered by the defense. He really stood out. He was a guy that focuses on his speed. So he watches a lot of Devin White, who I also discovered as a rapper. You showed me a really good song of his. Yes. <laughs> For those that don't know, Devin White has a rap song. Uh, he's featured on it. Uh, it's called Get Live Stables. They played a lot at Raymond James Stadium. They played it after, uh, well, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they played it at the Super Bowl parade after the boats all docked and then they were up on the stage. And it, it's a catchy song. The chorus is. is great. Devin's verse is, is pretty good too. So it's called Get Live Stables. I would 1 million percent check it out because it's, uh, it's a good song. I know, I know Devin has had his trials and tribulations with Bucks fans. Uh, with his play, especially this season, but it's a catchy song. You will at least get it stuck in your head for a little bit. Let's talk about corners and safeties. We can kind of lump it together as we uh, bring this podcast on home. I don't want to take anybody away that you might be mentioning. So please, the floor is yours. Yeah. So two cornerbacks, I'll, I'll start with them. Julius Brents and Kyle Blue Kelly were two that really stood out to me. So starting off with Brent's 6'3 corner, on the first day, he was very physical in all the 1v1 press drills that they were running and not letting the receiver even get their hands on the ball. So he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Buccaneer who played his last season for the team in Richard Sherman and just being the same height, the same weight, and kind of the same style of play. And for Kyle Blue Kelly on the other side, the guy from Stanford, Josh Capo, wrote two really good articles about him. Yes. And and kind of talking about his background that he has with the Buccaneers. He was voted as, by the wide receivers, the top cornerback. And yes, he was. You you got a video of him, of him making a nice sideline interception with one hand. He just reached up and caught the ball. Yeah. So that was really nice. And he kind of fits the mold of what a Todd Bowles corner is. A guy standing over six feet, very intelligent, and really prides himself on communication. And the, the cool thing about Kelly is, you know, he started the week and he wasn't bad. It's just he had some interceptions that should have been made and he dropped them. And then he came back, had a little bit of a warm up with the uh, the one handed grab on the sideline. And then he went in like there's no more than two or three plays later. And it was a great play where he tracked it down. 
He ripped the ball out of the hands of the uh, receiver and took it to the house for a pick six. And then he nearly had another interception a couple of plays later. The thing I really like about Kelly is the anticipation. And what I mean by that is outside of quarterback, I think for rookies coming into the league, cornerback is the toughest position to play. Yeah. Just the way that the NFL rules are made, it's already lobbied against you. You can't touch the receiver more than five yards down the field. Odds are if it's a bang-bang play and there's some contact and they throw the flag for pass interference, seven out of ten times it's going against the corner. And just in this league with so much talent, corners are going to get burnt. Whether it's Jalen Ramsey, whether it's pretty much anyone besides Sauce Gardner, you are going to get burned in, in this league. and. Mentally, that can really mess with you. So I think one way you can kind of get an advantage is seeing the play before the receiver does. Knowing that the receiver is going to go deep instead of going across or stopping for, uh, you know, before they go on a fly route, they they do a dig instead. So the anticipation really flew off the charts for me for Kelly. I thought that really helped him with when he was getting the dropped interceptions on the first day to finally coming down with that uh, in the next two days. Julius Brent's K-State guy, extremely physical, as you mentioned, had a great one-on-one rep towards the end of the third day where he stuck with the receiver the whole time. I couldn't remember if it was, was it Tank or it was, um, I think it was Tank Hill or um, either way. He stuck with the receiver the whole time going one-on-one turned his head around, was able to get the PBU when it's like the whole team is watching and crowding around. So really like what I saw from him. As far as safeties go, didn't love the entire safety class, but the guy that stood out above everyone else was Florida State's Jamie Robinson. Another physical corner, a Todd Bull style of corner, not the biggest guy, as you mentioned. Had a great pass breakup in the end zone against uh, the Miami tight end. So you had... Florida State against Miami. FSU got the win there. And I just, I like what he brings to the game. He seems smart. He can move up. He can play back quick enough, can hang with the tight ends, can hang with the running backs. And uh, overall, like a solid, compact week for Jamie Robinson. I don't think he did anything off of the charts, but he, I think, lived up to the billing that many people already kind of knew about him. Yeah, Robinson, he had a really solid week. And another guy was uh, DeMarco Helms from Alabama. He yes, had, good call. Yeah, he had an interception on Max Duggan, I believe, on the first day. And kind of talking with him, he's another really smart guy, kind of fits that Todd Bowles, because communication is big for the safeties on the back end and a Todd Bowles defense, being able to communicate with the cornerbacks, set up the play, and kind of watch the chess game unfold in front of them. So in an Alabama secondary that featured Brian Branch, who's going to be a first-round pick, arguably, and Jordan Battle. Helms also stood out as another guy. Yeah, he absolutely did. A lot of fun competition the whole week. Uh, give me one second. I'm trying to find something to play for the Peter people before we find the show off. I'm not sure if my laptop's going to cooperate with me. At the moment, but yeah, overall, it was a it was a fun week. Uh, I think we saw a lot of highlight plays, um, just a lot of talent. You know, this is it's so funny. Just in the league now, you you can find guys from all over the place. I mean, you find teams in, in Canada, <laughs> you, you find 
players from Lenore Ryan. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Shepard, to be honest, I'd never heard of Shepard <laughs> until, uh, you know, it, it, until this week at the senior bowl. So it, it's really cool to see just like all the talent that, you know, you can find Alex Scott with the comment says, uh, did Moss struggle in coverage? I saw he was the fastest DB. I think Moss early on wasn't so great. He got a PBU on the last day of practice, um, had some tight coverage. I don't know. I thought he was all right. I don't think making just one play all of a sudden means that, you know, oh, he's going to be the next big thing. But I don't know. I, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't overly shocked by what he did. Yeah, he didn't stand out. He had like his ups and downs. I personally thought he was he was average, um, but he did make a nice play. So there's something there. Without question. Um, all right. Before we finish the show today. Yeah, long lost laser with the good point. Um, actually, I don't know if that's true or not, so I'm not going to put that comment up. Um, I've been drinking Celsius on the show. I had the strawberry lemonade, so this is a good time to remind everybody that Celsius has a variety of flavors, from the Arctic vibes to the peach to the tropical vibes. Um, ton of great flavors. If you want to find out where to get one at your local bodega, punch in your address on the Celsius website. It'll let you know where the closest one is to go get it. And then if you want to start buying in bulk, go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, and get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And you can have your uh, Celsius shipped to you every one week, month, quarterly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Uh, saw a couple people in the chats. They were wondering, oh, we're going out four today versus seven. Today was a different episode because we drove home yesterday from the Senior Bowl. Uh, moving forward for the rest of the offseason, and if we make any changes, we'll let you know on our social media, on our Twitter, and things like that. Monday and Tuesday, and we're doing shows Monday through Thursday, so the first four days of the week. Monday and Tuesday will be at 4 o'clock, the typical time that we did during the season. Those will be at 4 p.m. Then Wednesday and Thursday, we will have primetime shows. That will be at 7 p.m. So once again, Monday and Tuesday, 4 p.m. Wednesday and Thursday, 7 p.m. That is the schedule for the entire offseason over the summer. We might change it up here and there based on different things that's happening with the Bucs, uh, different events going on, and if our schedules change as well. But that is the schedule for the time being. We will let you know. If anything changes there, we, appre every, we appreciate everybody watching the show today. We appreciate uh, all the Peter people watching from all over the globe because we have fr uh, fans, friends, too, uh, in so many different spots. And uh, we really love doing this. It, it, it's a great time. So for Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you on Monday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Out.